Um, our scripture for this, uh, I'll be going back into the uh, Second Kings scripture, but our scripture for the series uh, will be 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. And it says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. And recognizing that it is Christ in us, God's presence by the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, that there is a treasure in this earthen vessel. And so because of the treasure that dwells in those of us who have uh, uh, made our lives uh, available to Christ to fill by the power of his Holy Spirit, uh, when we come to faith in Christ, that's the exact thing we've done is we've yielded our life to be a vessel for him. And we yield that over and we ask him to come and fill us with the Holy Spirit. He's filling us with his presence and his power and his anointing. Amen. And so uh, those of us who have come to know Christ, uh, we are not empty vessels. We are full vessels. But what we do with the, the, the fullness of God that dwells in us, the power of God that dwells in us, is as important as coming to Christ. And that is, is that we become uh, prevailers, if you will, of the gospel. We become those who, who share the gospel. We allow there to be an outflow of what has flowed in, on the inside of us. We allow there to be that outflow into other people's lives. Can you say amen? Again, last week, serving people, uh, that's what we're doing. We have a, a love in this body, and what we do is we, we do an event that people uh, are interested to come to where we can pour out love. It's not just candy. We're pouring out love and service to people. For what reason? To be a witness to them of the love of Christ. Um, write this down. Every day is filled with opportunity to be a vessel for God. Every day of our lives are filled with opportunities to be vessels for God. Amen. The question is, is, do we accept the opportunities that come our way? Do we take advantage of the opportunities that come our way? Last week I spoke about uh, uh, being on God's frequency is being available. That, that, we, that if we are to receive what God is giving, we have to make ourselves available to him. And then if, if, if we receive what God gives us, we have to make ourselves available to give that to others. It's not just receiving from God, but it's also giving to others what God has given us. We may, may not be the vessel for everyone. We may not be the vessel for every single person we come across. But we're certainly the vessel of God for someone. We're the vessel of God for someone that comes across our path. Do you see the someones in your life that God gives you favor with, that God gives you influence with, that you can be a vessel for him to pour his love and his mercy and his grace and his truth into their lives? Whatever way that may be. That might be an act of kindness. That could be uh, a spoken word to them. You know, it could just be um, for those that maybe have lost somebody, you know, sometimes you just sit in silence with people and you're just there in your presence. Sometimes it's just your presence with someone becomes a way of pouring out to them the love, grace, mercy, and truth of Christ. In 2 Kings, what we see taking place, as I shared last week, we see a, a widow. She's lost her husband. He was a servant of God. And he had debts to pay. And the creditors were coming to take her sons. And she goes to the man of God. She goes to a man with an anointing on his life. Now, know that this is, in a sense, a reflection really, truly, of Christ the prophet. That we're in those places in our life where we're, 
we're, we're, we're looking for the answers. We're looking for the way to, to get out of our situation, the way to get out of a hard situation that Christ is the one that has the answers for us and we are to run to him for those. But when we run to him for the answers, we're not just to get the answers for ourselves, but it's supposed to be a blessing to others as well. Amen? Listen to this for a moment with that in mind. 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. A certain woman of the wise of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil, a vessel of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow vessels from everywhere. From all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour in, uh, excuse me, and then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. Underline that. Set aside the full ones. So she went in from him, shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Again, to, to, to kind of give you the understanding, if, if we look at this in the type and shadow, the Holy Spirit, the anointing, the oil is representative of the anointing. Jesus the Christ Christ, the anointed one, he is the one that fills us. By the presence of his spirit, he comes and he fills us up. Remember, a few weeks back, I talked about uh, that, that uh, in the book of Acts, when getting on God's frequency, Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem, to wait upon the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit, that he prayed the Father to send, according to John chapter 14. And that they went and they waited. They did exactly what he said, and the Holy Spirit came, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. What happened after they were filled? They spilled over into other people's lives. And as I said a few weeks ago, 3,000 came to the Lord that day. And they continued in the uh, steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, the breaking of bread, the fellowship of the brethren uh, uh, um, in prayer. And as they continued to do those things, the Bible says, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. What I want to submit to you is what the Lord was doing is he was filling the empty vessels that they continued to gather with the oil that was in them. Now let me, let me submit it to you this way. I want to try to help us understand how to be the vessel today. And I'm going to do that by asking you three questions in the course of this message. Three questions. One, who are you crying out for? Who are you crying out for? When you look at the example of this widow, it wasn't just herself. She had two sons that were going to be taken from her and put into slavery. And what happened was is she began to cry out to the prophet. Can anybody tell me who our prophet is? Our prophet is Jesus. There's something about when, when we're in that state to where we have someone in our life. We might not be the vessel to everyone, but we are the vessel to someone. Who are you crying out for? Who is it in your life that you know that needs to be uh, set free from slavery? 
that needs to be rescued from going into slavery? Who needs the salvation of Jesus Christ in their life? Who's the someone that you're crying out to God for? Because it's when you cry out to him with compassion, with love, with with that desire for his mercy to be extended, with the desire for his power to be manifested, that God shows up. Praying gives us greater clarity and confidence of what we need to do. She goes to the man of God, and the Bible says she cried out. In a sense, here's what she did. She went to him, and she's the very thing she's crying out to God for, you got to understand, in, in the Old Testament, that prophet stood in proxy. Jesus is our prophet. We go to him. We cry out to him in prayer for our needs. She goes to the prophet and cries out, and he turns to her and asks her, what do you want from me? Isn't that right? Do you remember Jesus' mother? There were vessels involved in that moment as well. <laughs> they had no wine at the, the marriage supper that they were attending, right? And, and she says, comes to Jesus and she says, they have no wine. She, she presents her petition, if you will, to Jesus. They have no wine. What does Jesus say to her? Woman, what do I have to do with you? That's his mama. <laughs> I don't know about you. I know this. If Wade would have said to Angie, woman, what do I have to do with you? Well, I'll tell you what you got to do with me right now. You're going to come in this room and I'm going to put a bell on your rear end. That's what you got to do with Now, we know that Jesus was an adult, and in this moment, when his mom's coming to him, it goes on, look, to give you the full uh, understanding of that. He says, woman, what do I have to do with you? My hour has not yet come. Mama knows, this mama, Mary knows that this is the Christ, the son of the living God. She's like, hey, you can do something about this. This woman, this widow knew that her husband was one of the sons of the prophets. And what did she do? She went to the prophet. You know that you're meant to be a prophetic people. And the reason why you're meant to be a prophetic people, and if you want to know what that means, that's simply hearing the voice of God. To be prophetic is simply to hear God's voice. It's not our voice. It's God speaking to us so that he can speak through us as well. And here's what happens. When we recognize that Jesus is the man of God, He's the son of man, right? And he's the son of God. And he is the son of man, the son of God that we go to, the prophet of God that we go to to say, I'm crying out to you because I have need. There's someone in my life. I may not be the vessel for everyone, but I got to be the vessel for someone. And when I put myself in that place, I can't do it in and of myself. I need to be filled with his power, his ability to spill over and see the manifestation of his miracle in other people's lives. And so what happens is, is, is um, when we get into this place, prayer gives us greater clarity. She went to the prophet and she left with clarity about what she needed to do. Right? And no question of confidence because when you start going to people and saying, hey, can I borrow all your empty vessels? Can I have every empty jar? Can I have every empty pot that you have? It's like, what? I guess, you know. I mean, obviously people gave them to him. Now, if you knew that the anointing of God in your life would never cease, if you knew the flow of God's power and his anointing would never stop, would you do anything to keep it flowing? Let me submit to you right now, you got to have empty vessels. You may not be the answer for everyone, but you are the answer for someone. And don't ever run out of someone's to pour into, because when you do, the anointing of God 
starts to dry up. It will cease to flow in your own life. You might have the love of God and you know you love God, but you don't see the power of God at work in your life because you stop pouring out into other people. Let me say that the language of heaven is not selfish. The language of heaven is sacrificial. It's always giving, always looking for someone else to save, always looking for someone else to bless. And if we ever become a people that don't reflect heaven, the flow of heaven starts to dry up in our lives. Look at two kings here. Greater clarity and confidence. Why? Because she had someone she was crying out for. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons as slaves. So Elijah said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? To sum sum up this area today, you understand that you are the house of the Spirit of God. This is a tab- the Bible refers to this as being a tabernacle. And what I want to submit to you, there's something about the heart inside the house, this, this flesh. There's something about that heart when you are born again that what happens is it gets filled up. Like I said, you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And that, that in a sense, it's the jar that holds the anointing. It's the jar that holds the Spirit of God. And when that jar is full and find some place, an empty vessel to pour into. It's not like you empty out. What happens is is it's like the flow doesn't cease. Can you imagine she's got this small jar and she's filling one and it just keeps coming and keeps coming. and Now, I don't know about you. I'd have to have a moment where I'd look in the jar again. Wouldn't you? It's a miracle. Do you know that, that when you pour out into somebody's life, There was a miracle taking place in you that what God is pouring into you is now pouring out of you and it doesn't dry up. If anything, it increases and will ever increase and ever increase as long as you keep empty vessels in front of you to pour into. Amen? The second question I have for you today, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? Recognize that you have a jar of oil in your house. You have a jar of oil in your house. 2 Kings 4.2 says, And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. If all you have, look, if all you have is a heart full of the presence of God, that jar of oil is enough to keep on producing. Here, here's, here's an example. Let me read this next scripture to you, and then we'll break it down a little bit. Acts 3, 1 through 10. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At what time? At the time. Say, at what time? The time. Come on, you got to say it with me. At the time of? At the time of prayer. They're going up to cry out to God. Can you see? They're going up to call out to God, to cry out to him. Now a man who was lame from birth and was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day, not once in a while, every day. To beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. 
Then Peter said, look at us. Now again, you got to understand a beggar. Look up here a second. You got to understand a beggar. He's going to look you in the eyes. And when he looks you in the eyes, begging for something, wanting something from you, if you don't look at him, anybody ever drive? Look, I drive by people who are on the street corners, by stop signs, right down here by King Supra's. Every so often, there's somebody standing there. And when you're driving up, I'm telling you, man, they're looking straight into your car. Come on now. There's enough beggars around Colorado Springs that you can get, a, you can get an illustrative example of how a beggar works. And that is they're looking at you, you know. And, and, and you know what happens? I see, I see folks driving up, and, and it's like, you know. And I got to tell you, there's something about it that, you know, I'm driving up there and, and I glance over and they're like looking straight in my eyes. I'm like, oh man, I need to do something. Come on. Right? And oftentimes I do. I always wait for the prompting of God's spirit for that. You know, it's, it's kind of, there are people out there that are doing it and you know, you just don't know. But you know what you do know? You, you know when you feel the jar of oil filling up. The... What do you have on the inside of you? What do you have in the house? See, what I, what I, what I want is I want not the, the manipulation of, of man, but I want the leading of God's spirit. And there's an aspect to discern that situation. And what happens is you kind of, you feel the oil. It's kinda, I feel a conviction, if you will, of the spirit. Hey, do something for them. I feel it fill up. And I'm not concerned about what I give out. Why? Because I know it's going to fill back up does that make sense to you Peter and John this is what's going on that beggar looks at him and then he looks away here's here's what happens Peter said look look straight at him and as did John then Peter said look at us so the man gave them his attention expecting to get something from them then Peter said silver or gold I do not have but what I do have I give you in the same or excuse in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth walk Taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them uh, into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were all uh, uh, filled, were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, here's the deal. Peter and John, what have they been doing? You've got to understand, this story comes in Acts 3. What happened in Acts 2? The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes, fills them up. 3,000 added to the church. All of a sudden, they're going to go do the thing that they do that Jesus taught them to do to fill their jar up, and that was go and pray. And they're going up to the temple to pray at the, about 3 o'clock that day. They're heading to the temple to pray, and here's this guy out here begging at the temple. And all of a sudden what happens is, is they, they see it and, oh, man, do I have any money to give this guy? It wasn't the outward, the physical thing that prompted them. It wasn't what they had physically that prompted them. It was the jar on the inside of them that they could sense was full and had to be poured out if they wanted to continue to be filled. And that's exactly what they did. Now, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke and lifts the burden now, the Bible says that Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who, whom God anointed, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who went about healing all who were oppressed by the devil and sick. That's what the Bible says. 
But know that the anointing is what precedes the statement that he went healing all who are oppressed by the devil and sick. The anointing, the oil that was in him, the spirit of God that was in him being poured out into the lives of others, filling empty vessels. Amen. Write this down in your notes. When you recognize the treasure that is in your vessel, you can fill an empty one. When you recognize the treasure that's in your vessel, this treasure we have in earthen vessels, it's not our power. It is God's power at work in us looking for a place to increase. When you recognize the treasure that you have in this vessel, then you can fill an empty one. The third question today, how many empty vessels can you find? How many empty vessels can you find? Because it's empty vessels that are open to receive. I've never, I've never encountered somebody that's filled up, that's satisfied, that's open to receive. When you think about the gospel of Jesus, when you're sharing about the love of God and how God's the creator and so on, if you come across somebody that's filled up with atheism, that's filled up with the, the evolution and that, you know, um, that we squiggled up out of the ocean and then all of a sudden feet popped down on us and the next thing you know, you know, millions of years later, here we are. Anybody that's filled up with that philosophy, with that mindset, you know, I've never noticed uh, them being open to be filled with the knowledge of God. Can you give me an amen? I've noticed in my own life, if I'm filled up with my own thoughts and my own ideas, that when I read the Word of God, I find myself more in question of the Word of God than acceptance of the Word of God. One I use all the time is, is when I go back, and I'll never forget. If you're, see, if you're filled up with vengeance and you're filled up with hate and anger, the moment you read the Scripture that says love your enemies, you're like, you know, it kind of just bounces off the top. <laughs> it's like, there's no room for that in me. Love my enemies. Do, do, do good to those who mistreat me. Uh, I, yeah, no. There's no room in there for that. See, that's sacrificial. That's as sacrificial as it gets. Isn't that right? And the only way for us to be filled up with God's kind of love is to be empty of all the things that stand in resistance to his kind of love. You understand that? I think that when we pour ourselves out in other people's lives, here's, here's what's interesting. I don't know about you, but no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. You do something good for somebody, and then all of a sudden, it's like, well, they didn't do what they were supposed It's like, I did that for you so it would be better, and then you did stupid things again. Give me an amen if you know what I'm talking about. And it's interesting how all of a sudden we get filled up with regret over helping somebody, or we get filled up with, uh, or can I say, uh, our jar kind of gets filled up with a jaded attitude. Does that sound about right? I've been there. Come on now. I, you know, I get jaded. Like, I don't, know, I don't know if I can trust to help that person or help that person. Let me tell you how God, one time I found out how much God's way was bouncing, how, how much his anointing is bouncing off of what, what I've got in my jar, you know, what I got in my house. Is I, I, Angie and I helped this young man out. We, we even we sacrificed Christmas presents for our kids. We talked to our kids about it like, hey, he's going through a hard time. We want to do this for him, you know. Now, and we're doing this for him and doing that for him and doing that for him. 
And then he just goes and does some stupid stuff again, and, and it's like it's all squandered and wasted. And we probably, out of which we didn't have a lot to, to speak of anyway at that time. And I remember it's like we, it was sacrificial. And when you do sacrificial things in people's lives, and they don't appreciate it, and then they do something stupid, and it's a waste of it, all of a sudden there's a different mindset that starts to, you know, your jar starts getting filled up with something else. Now, I remember I was angry, huh? angry about it, man. It's like, I'm done. I'm done helping people. I'm never going to do this again, <laughs> right? That doesn't translate too well into being a pastor. Could you all? It just doesn't. I mean, you know, it's like, I'm done doing this. I'm not going to help anybody anymore. What's my job? More than that, how am I to be as a believer? See, we had found an empty vessel we're pouring into it. And when it didn't respond the way we thought it should respond, when we thought it should respond, then what happens is it starts to taint the, the oil. If you, you know that oil can become contaminated. Did you know that? If you've ever driven a car, all you got to do is have like a, a crack or a, a leak somehow in there where water can get, where, where something else can mix with the substance that's supposed to be in there, and it becomes contaminated and it doesn't function right. It's the same for us as believers. We're meant to have the oil of the Holy Spirit. We're meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, temperance, meekness, kindness. Those are the things we're supposed to be filled with. And all of a sudden, see, when we've cried out for someone, <laughs> you know, we recognize that God put something in us that we can share. And then the response is not what we think it should be. It's interesting how it can start to change what's meant to be in us. It should be the other way around. There is a power in us. And as long as we don't lose sight of the, of, of the prophet, as long as we don't lose sight of the one to go to when we're in that need, what happens is, is our jar stays full of good oil that we're able to pour out into those others' lives. Now, here's what happens. Years later, years later, everything turns around for that young man. And a letter is written to us. Where is it written from? It's written from prison. I'm sorry. I didn't realize, you know, I just didn't appreciate and I didn't realize what I really had being around you. And I want you to know that I think of it all the time. So the point is, is that even though he wasn't able to apply it right, what we were pouring into him, there, there was a place where he came to and those were the things. It was the anointing that we poured into him, that God poured into us, that eventually broke that yoke. Why? It was the kindness that God showed through us to him that resonated over and over. And one of the scriptures he read while he was in prison was this. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And it's like it all came flooding back. And he realized everything that God was doing for him, all that was being poured into him, and I want you to know, that's because in that moment in our life, I wouldn't say we do it 100%, or we, we don't bat 1,000. You know, we fall short in, in finding that somebody, but when we have, it's been some of the greatest and hardest moments of our life. The greatest because we know God's at work. The hardest because it's sacrifice on our part. Come on now. And I want you to know that God will work in your life 
if you'll find vessels to pour in. How many can you find? Because the more you find, the more the oil flows. Listen to this out of 2 Kings uh, 4, 3 through 4. Then he said, go and borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. What's it say to do with the full ones? If you ever, look, when you come to know Christ and, and you know you to read your Bible and to pray and to pursue God and the Spirit of God is in your life, if you ever felt like it's kind of like, well, I'm not as important to God anymore as, as people who don't know him. You're full. He fills you up. In a sense, yeah, it's, why is the Great Commission the main focus of the church in the earth? Why? Why go into all the world, Right? And make disciples, teach, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all of commands you do. Why is that what Jesus said? This is what you're here to do. This is why you're left in the earth, to go into all the world. Why did he give them that great commission? Why the, on, the, on the day of Pentecost they get filled in 3,000? And why do they go then and they're the gate beautiful? And oh, by the way, out of that, you know, droves come to Christ through that miracle. And then what happens? You know what? Then for all their filling up of God, getting full with his oil and pouring it out into other vessels, what do they get for that? They get punished by the Sanhedrin. They're actually drawn in and now they're being ridiculed by the Pharisees and Sadducees and told, you're not going to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. Well, it's right to obey you. Man or God will obey God. And they went on and they continued to, pre- they continued to pour out. They could have became embittered instead what they what became, because by the way, and we'll look at this next week, Acts 4, what do they do? They gather to pray. They start crying out to God. And what happens? The Holy Spirit. They're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in that passage again. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did they do? And we'll see that they went forth, the Bible says, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. We live in a time today where people say, be quiet and don't preach the word of God. Don't speak the word of God. They want to silence anybody that wants to speak God's word, that wants to be a witness of Christ and to speak in his name and to heal in his name and to proclaim his name. But he is the only hope of the world. No no matter what philosophies are out there, there are people who are filled up with a lot of other things. But I want you to know for the believer, we are filled up with the right thing, and that is Jesus Christ. That's the anointing of God. And I know in our day and age, to make that statement... Um, would be considered arrogant. Amen? That statement's considered arrogant. You, know, you think it, God, Jesus is the only way, that, that, that the gospel is the only way, that you, what you believe is the only way? Yes, I do. And I know it can sound arrogant, but I want you to know that in that, I am submitted to what Jesus did for us. I'm submitted to what God says for us. Not my way, but his way. And, and actually, uh, if you think about it, you remember Moses? Remember Moses in the Bible? Do you know what Moses said about himself? He said he was the humblest man to ever live. Sounds humble to me. The humblest man to ever live. Why was he hum- the humblest man to ever live? Because he made himself available to God. He made himself available to be used by God. And what, what did he do? Look, Moses was comfortable on the backside of the desert tending sheep, and now he's going to go to Pharaoh and withstand him, right? To do what? To take away all his slaves. Uh, 
She went to the prophet and she said, the creditors are coming to take my sons into slavery. Woman, what do you have? And when you think about it, God sent Moses forth with an anointing to do what? To deliver people from slavery. Know that Jesus died on the cross. You know, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. And he's poured something into us that we are to act like him. Here's the thing. Moses was a deliverer. Jesus was a deliverer. And God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And he's given us a power to deliver people from the hold of darkness, to deliver people from the power of Satan and into the power of God. The only way we'll do it is we find the empty vessels. And as I uh, close, let me read this concerning Jesus. Mark chapter 2, 15 through 17. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many. (laughs) There were many sinners and tax collectors. And they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and the sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I do not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I submit to you that what Jesus was doing is he was finding empty vessels that he could pour into. The Pharisees were filled up with their thoughts, their ideas, and their philosophies and were not open to what Jesus came. Look, they weren't open to what Emmanuel. The ones who proclaimed to worship God the best in the community were not open to what God had to say when he was on the scene. Come on now. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be that kind of vessel. I want to be a vessel that's available to to cry out to God, first and foremost, to cry out to him that he would show me what to do. He would give me the direction that I'm to go. He would give me the, the solution to the problem that I face. And that what he would do is then fill me up with his presence, fill me up with his ways, fill me up with his word so that when I encounter that someone, Maybe not everyone, but when I encounter the someone in my life, I've got oil to pour into that empty vessel that they too might come to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ, the anointing and power, and that it be deposited. I know that I'm not the one that's able to deposit it in them. I know it's God. But if you look at it, and as we will over the next couple weeks, in the book of Acts, And they laid their hands on them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. When just, God didn't just boom, there it is. Now in some instances he did. In other instances what he did is he took the vessels that he had filled and what they did, and and the Bible refers to this is that an impartation. That I can take what God fills me up with, I can actually lay hands on someone and what happens is, is he will manifest and fill them with his presence as well. It's not my presence, it's his presence flowing through me as a vessel, just like we read about the widow. As long as it's an empty vessel, they're open to receive from God. What happens is is you'll find the very presence of God flowing out of you. Like I said, you'll sense, you'll sense it filling up in you, and it has nothing to do but spill out into that person that you've made yourself available to, the empty vessel you found. Write this down. 
Remember the oil stops when there are no more vessels to share it with. The oil stops when there's no more vessels to share it with. I'm going to read a story to wrap up today. It's just a short little story that kind of gives us a glimpse of, it's not a true story, it's just a fiction, it's fiction, but it's fiction that's based in reality. So, so with that, before I read this, I want to say that right where you are, who's the somebody in your life? That might be plural. Who, who is somebody in your life that you know when you're around them, they're empty, they have need, and you have something that you can turn and fill them up with? Who is that? I promise you, if you identify that person and you know that, if you will, they're under bondage, they're in slavery, and you'll come to that place of crying out to God for them. You'll recognize that you have what you have in your house, that treasure in your earthen vessel, and you see them as an empty vessel and find a way to pour God's presence and love in them. I promise you, you'll feel God filling you up again, fresh and new, and in new ways. This story is about a lady named Marge. Marge went to her mailbox, and there was only one letter. She picked it up, looked at it before opening. But then she looked at the envelope again. There was no stamp, no postmark, only her name and an address. She read the letter. Dear Marge, I'm going to be in your neighborhood Saturday afternoon, and I'd like to stop by for a visit. Love always, God. Her hands were shaking as she placed the letter on the table. Why would the Lord want to visit me? Anybody else? Why would he want to visit you? What am I doing? You start taking track, like, okay, have I done anything wrong? Why would the Lord want to visit me? I'm nobody special. I don't have anything to offer. With that thought, Marge remembered her empty kitchen cabinets. Oh my goodness, I really don't have anything to offer. I'll have to run down to the store and buy something for dinner. She reached for her purse and counted it, uh, its contents, $5.40. Well, I can't get, you know, I could just get some bread and, and maybe some cold cuts at least. She threw on her coat and hurried out the door. A loaf of French bread, half a pound of sliced turkey, and a carton of milk. Leaving Marge with a grand total of 12 cents to last her until Monday. Nonetheless, she felt good as she headed home her meager offerings tucked under her arm. Hey, lady, can you help us, lady? Marge had been so absorbed in her dinner plans, she hadn't even noticed two figures huddled in the alleyway. A man and a woman, both of them dressed in little more than rags. Look, lady, I ain't got a job, uh, you know, and my wife and I have been living out here on the street and well now it's getting cold and we're getting kind of hungry and well if you could help us lady we'd really appreciate it Marge looked at them both they were dirty they smelled bad and frankly she was certain that they could get some kind of work if they really wanted to sir I'd like to help you but I'm a poor woman myself all I have is a few cold cuts and some uh, some bread and I'm having an important guest for dinner tonight, and I was planning on serving that to him. Yeah, well, well, okay, lady, I I understand. Thanks anyway. The man put uh, his arm around the the woman's shoulders, turned and headed back into the alley. 
as she watched them leave, Marge felt a, a familiar, I know this is fiction, but understand that's the part I'm talking about, the oil increasing. She felt a familiar twinge in her heart. Right here, I just want to say, you feel the tug of the Holy Spirit, don't deny it. If you feel the tug of the Holy Spirit, don't turn away from it. Always act upon that twinge. Always act upon the prompting of God's Spirit. Amen. Hmm. Sir, wait. The couple stopped and turned as she ran down the alley after them. Look, why don't you take this food? I'll figure out something else to serve my guest. She handed the man her grocery bag. Thank you, lady. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you, the, the man's wife said. And Marge could see that she was shivering. You know, I've got another coat at home. Here, why don't you take this one? Marge unbuttoned her jacket and slipped it over the woman's shoulders. Then, smiling, she turned and walked back to the street without her coat and nothing to serve her guest. Thank you, lady. Thank you very much. Marge was chilled by the time that she reached her front door and worried, too. The Lord was coming to visit, and she didn't have anything to offer him. She fumbled through her purse for the door key, but as she did, she noticed another envelope in her mailbox. That's odd. The mailman doesn't usually come twice in one day. She took the envelope out of the box and opened it. Dear Marge, it was good to see you again. Thank you for the lovely meal, and thank you, too, for the beautiful coat. Love always. God. I know it's just a story, but you know what? Paul the Apostle exhorted the church this. He was concerned that people would creep in and corrupt the simplicity of the gospel. The simplicity of the gospel is this. Freely give what you have received. God has freely given us love freely give that love you may not be able to do everything you may not be able to do it for everybody but you can certainly do something for somebody amen would you stand to your feet with me please heavenly father I want to ask you to just close your eyes right now I want you to picture a somebody picture somebody that somebody someone you've come across someone you know that you can be the vessel to picture them and as you do Heavenly Father right now I pray for opportunity I pray for provision I pray God that you would create the right moment Father for us to be the vessel to somebody that we would see it we would know it we would recognize God that twinge that we'd we'd sense ourselves being filled Lord God with compassion I think about every time Jesus healed people, every time he was moved toward them, the Bible gives us reference that he was moved with compassion and he began to heal the sick. Father, may we recognize the moments when we are moved with compassion for somebody, an empty vessel. And God, may we take from what we have, not be uh, concerned with what we don't have, but God, take from what we have. As Peter Uh, And John said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Whatever our such as I have is, that we'd be willing to give. In the name of Jesus Christ, we'd be willing to give and minister into somebody's life around us. An empty vessel that they too 
might be filled with your love, that they too, Father, might be set free and saved in Jesus' mighty and precious name. Anoint your people. Let us go from here today, Father, with vision. Let us go from here today, Father, with a passion to find somebody to pour into in our lives just as you pour in our lives, Heavenly Father. And everybody said, amen and amen. You have a wonderful week this week.